0: Good morning everyone, which is Happy New Year in Hawaiian. I'm looking forward to a, a wonderful year as we continue in our service to the Lord. I cannot give God thanks enough for what I've seen over the last six and a half years here at Franklin, but the growth has been true joy. I was telling just this morning to Julie as we were reflecting over the last six years and Mentioning how the things that I've seen where we're up out of the pews and we're getting into our community. We're doing things Whether um, you've been doing them in the past um, or not, but from a collective standpoint in many ways where we go in uh, various ways to our community to to share the good news has been such (sighs) Encouragement edification to me So I told her as I've talked to the elders about this in the past. I said, you know well, do we go to another work where there's another congregation? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, that's what the elder said. <laughs> and and, and I, I think these things through because in my mind, I always want to go, now, where can we go and encourage more brethren? But I say, selfishly speaking, I never want to leave here. Y- y'all treat us so well and with so much abundance of love. Um, I always say the same thing. That Will has said just feels like family, and so for that, we'll have our ups and our downs, but boy, it is great, great joy, great joy. I cannot think and imagine myself anywhere else with such great encouragement, but for that, I'm grateful. When when we look at a statement like this, living upright in an upside-down world... I can't help but remember the words that Jerry McDonald would say when he, when he first came here talking about paradigm shifts and what have you, And that's what this would be, is, is a paradigm shift. We're talking about a, a way of looking at things, a way of doing things, thinking what is right and what is wrong, and, well, we all have those perspectives. When, when Julie and I first got married, there was a definite paradigm shift. Because all the dishes before we got married were in the right place. And when we got married and she's in the kitchen, all of a sudden they were in the wrong place. All the, everything was upside down <laughs> as far as I was concerned. And I could just imagine in hindsight now, from her perspective, everything was upside down to begin with and she's putting them in the right place. Right, hon? <laughs> and so, again, perspectives that we have. The same thing with right and wrong with morality. I'd mentioned to you, having not been raised in the body of Christ, that the way I was raised is the way of the world. And so what I thought was right, I learned after becoming a Christian was wrong. Things that I did that I didn't think anything wrong with that I now view as sinful, very upside down. But the world doesn't look at itself as being upside down. The world looks at at itself as saying, we're all right. And now you Christians come along and you mess things up. And that's what we see here in Acts chapter 17. And we're going to get to Acts 17 toward the very end of the sermon. But I want you to to know that that's just the way it is. The way of the world is very different. that's because the way of the world, according to scriptures, and as is given in Acts chapter 26, is darkness. That's what God says. That's what divine revelation says to us is darkness. So great that that you led for us, Gordon, the songs, Ye Are the Light of the World, because we're talking about a world that is dark. Go to Acts chapter 26 and note what Luke is writing to Theophilus about. Here's the apostle Paul, and he's recounting the life that he had before being in Christ as a... Pharisee is a Jew and having come to Christ. In the conversation with the Lord, who was seen in heaven from his vision, if you will, in verse 14, the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, as Paul is reflecting, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see, that's the power of the gospel. It's going to turn your world upside down as it had just done for him, whose eyes had been blinded to the truth, to the light, literally and figuratively. And now he's going to take him as this example of one who is been changed, has been converted to go share the light, to go share this upside down way of thinking, the way of living, the way of God to this world. And so, therefore, the world, even, and I would even add the worldly among Christians, because just because you're a Christian doesn't make you fully converted in your walk. There are Christians that are walking a worldly walk. That's just the reality. And so there are those who are even worldly among the people of God that have an upside-down view of morality. And sometimes, and I'm not focusing on that so much in the lesson this morning with regard to the church, sometimes you can definitely see the upside-down way of thinking among brethren. Um, One I remember in particular, and again, this would be the only thing that I'll I'll use for the illustration— but I remember soon after becoming a Christian, and I was reading up on uh, those that are qualified to serve as shepherds of the flock. And this one particular congregation I knew of, the men that were chosen as elders were great businessmen, but not spiritually minded in, from my vantage point. Now, mind you, I'm a very young Christian. Still have a lot of arrogance in me. And, but still in my mind, I'm going, great businessmen, not great spiritual leaders in my mind. But they were chosen as elders. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, that's upside down. The scriptures are very clear about who the shepherds should be. And even the men in the congregation knew the scriptures from that standpoint. But as far as the chosen, upside down. And so that's what I'm talking about. It even happens among the people of God. Well, here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and we'll get back to this text later on in, in the lesson. You know, here is Peter, and he's reminding brethren You used to live this way, this raucous lifestyle, carousing. And now they look at you as strange people, that you don't run in this life of dissipation with them any longer. That's what happens. Or as Isaiah says to his own people, speaking specifically of Judah, Saying, you know, what they call evil, good, and now good, evil. All of these things is upside down. These are the people of God. And so when we look at the way of the world, the way of the world is not running the way it's supposed to run. But that's why it's the world. We pray for, as we have done this morning, and as we do from time to time, we pray for our leaders and we want our country right? To follow God. But in reality, our country is people who are in darkness. Why would they follow God? And the reality is what we want is our country, as speaking now individually of those who make up citizens within this country, or even, even anyone who is visiting in our country, we want them to turn to the Lord. And to become citizens in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we really want. And then the reality then is the ramifications from that. We get, we get um, a byproduct, if you will, of those who hopefully would be godly leaders within this country. That's what we're looking at. And so to do that, to, to have that way of, of living, we have to change the way of thinking. And that's where the gospel comes in. Because there is an upside-down way of thinking to go from the world, from darkness, to light. For instance, and these are just uh, very simple illustrations, look out for number one, right? That's what we're told. Look out for yourself. You are number one, so everything is about you. And, and yet when we look at scriptures, we are told to not only look out for our interests, but for the interests of others. In fact, in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, it's to esteem others as higher, or better than yourself. That's a very different way of thinking. And that's why you have phrases, um, catch phrases, um, in the name of Christianity like, I am number two, right? In other words, putting other people first. Things like that, because this world says, no, you're not number two, you're number one. So it's a very upside down way of thinking. Or only the strong survive, right? Like the animal kingdom, evolution, and so, where that mindset is, only the strong survive. And yet, we have scriptures that say otherwise: the meek will inherit the earth, not the strong. Or you have statement like, "God helps those." This is like one of those fable—I uh, don't know—mythological fables that, that are found somewhere in First Opinions in the Bible. And God helps those who help themselves. That's a proverbial statement that I've even heard among Christians. And yet, we are told it is when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians tells us, right? In chapter 12, verse 10. You know, here is the Apostle Paul who has this infirmity, and now he learns through the grace of God that it is through these infirmities that I, I rejoice. Because now then God gets the glory, and we get to see how God can work through the weaknesses that I have. In fact, the weaknesses all throughout Scripture. And so these kinds of ways of thinking is upside down. This I am first, or only the strong survivor. God helps those who help themselves. If that were the case, then we'd have a lot of Scriptures that we have to rip out of our Bibles. Because God helped those who could not help themselves. There are those at times, that God helps before there was any faith on their end. And so we get to see something about our God, and we get to see a lot about ourselves as well. So there's this way of thinking. How about the fact that the lifestyles that we see are upside down? It is (coughs) very um, seemingly appropriate in the way of the world that two people would live together, before even thinking of being married to each other. The fact that you would get married before being together is just unthinkable. That's the way of the world, right? You have to know that before you get married to the spouse that she is the right one. So you gotta know. And so the world thinks this way. It's no big deal for for. Young people to be sleeping together. In fact, there are those who are professing Christianity that even blurted out that that's the way it is. That's life. No big deal. Whereas we might blush about it. Those who love the Lord and understand about fornication. In fact, when we were in the jails, the women were asking, "What is fornication? Right? What does that mean? Oh, is that wrong? You know? We're like, and on our end, it's like." I thought everyone in the world, as soon as you're born, you know these things. <laughs> but it's not that way. Or how about just living an immoral lifestyle, coarse jesting, whatever it is, where it's just so common. In fact, on regular TV now, there are certain words that you might blush at, just use so nonchalantly, even among children. Very, very different. And yet, as was mentioned earlier, 1 Peter chapter 4, that's just the past. That's the way of the past. And now people think it's strange that you speak this way or you live this way. How about the fact that even as Christians sometimes we forget this very simple principle about the trials of life that they are to refine us, that it builds character within us. But instead, we find ourselves wondering, why God? Why this and why that? I mean, those may be natural things, but when I say natural, it means things of the flesh, that we think this way. We're told in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, as well as James chapter 1, verse 2, that we, we count this joy that we fall into trials because it produces in us the kind of character molding that makes us look less and less like this world and more and more like Jesus Christ. And so again, a different way of living. That We go through trials in life, and we accept those trials. We not only endure those trials in an upside-down thinking as far as, as far as the world is concerned, we look forward to them. Um, I'm watching something, and probably because I have... Um, he's not a close friend by any stretch of the imagination. I've only uh, been, been with this person a, a, uh, two or three times. But um, I train with him in martial arts, and he lives up in Clarksville, he is a, um, one of the people that you'll see on this reality show on the History Channel called The Selection. And, and so he's one of those men, Navy SEAL, whatever it is. And, and one of the things that they teach in this selection is to accept the suck, as the phrase goes. It means accept the bad situation that you're in. And then have a mindset to go through that situation that you may come out of it a better person. And the same thing is true, especially as things continue to change for those who profess to be believers of Jesus Christ, where things get more difficult, life gets more difficult in this country, where it's always been difficult through the centuries, through the millenniums around the world. And so we're going to look at trials not to mourn the trials, not to say, Lord, please take this and remove this away from me, but rather to deal with it, to grow through it and from it. And that's what we're talking about here then. Or how about looking for the very best for success? In other words, we're going to get the best person for the job because now we know and we fill in the blank how the best person can do this and the best person can do that. In the way of the world... And in certain aspects that have to deal with life, I get it. We all get it. That's, we choose the best to do the best job, right? I mean, even in scriptures, you can even see that. We're going to get godly people. But that's spiritually speaking. Physically speaking, we want the very best. But yet, when we read all these biblical events that have taken place, who does God choose? He chooses the lowly. He chooses the humble. He takes a small tiny nation not this big grandeur nation to make a name for himself he chooses a man after his own heart one that the other people would not choose to make himself a leader he says when you are least in the kingdom then you'll be great in the kingdom if you want to be first you have to be last again upside down thinking And so it is with this mindset that you have, not just the way that you think, but the way that you live, that's very different than the way of the world. And that is why instead of having that rich business person that's shown great success, but may not be very spiritually minded, you might have someone who's very poor. But he loves the Lord with great passion. And he shows great maturity and wisdom in Christ not in the ways of the world, but in Christ that shows a great leader for the people of God. That's what we're talking about when we're looking at this way of, of living. And it's not just that, but even salvation itself. And brethren, this is one that many of us have grown up with. A mindset that, not with our words, but with our deeds. As if we've got to save ourselves. Now we know with our, with our words and with our thoughts, only the Lord can save us. But our emphasis in the way we do certain things at times brings out a mindset in practice that, yeah, I mean, Lord can't save me. Only I can do that. Now, we never, again, I want to repeat, we never say it that way, but we may act that way in practice. And yet, when we look at the Scriptures very clearly, that's an upside-down way of thinking that we can save ourselves. If that were the case, we would not need a Savior. And so without going into too much detail, I'll, I'll deal with this part in a, another sermon very specifically. When we look at the mindset that has to change from the way of darkness to the way of light, we have to change the way we think, the way we do, if you will. And so what that means then is we follow the one Who's come into this world to save us from darkness? That's why in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's how John starts his gospel, does he not? That's how he starts it. He starts it in John chapter 1, verse 1 following, and in 1 John chapter 1. You can read that it's a very fundamental point as far as who Jesus Christ is, and thus the gospel message that follows with him. He's the light of the world. And therefore, if he's the light of the world and we come to Christ, well, guess what? Then our world turns right side up all of a sudden because it was upside down. We just didn't realize it. We have a paradigm shift, if you will. And so those who are able to admit that they are sick are able to actually be made well. That's why the Pharisees couldn't get it. They already thought they were well. And these are religious people, mind you. I don't need the Lord because I already have him. Jesus is saying, showing otherwise. I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't come to call those who already thought thought themselves to be well. I came to call the sick. I came to call sinners is what he's basically saying in Matthew chapter 9. And so There's got to be this mindset that says, you know what? I'm lost. And when the gospel hit me between my eyes, I went from this in my mind, and this is the way I thought, I'm a good all-American boy. Maybe from the islands, maybe a little different. But I thought myself, the average Joe, if you will, life is good. Why would I need to come to the Lord? If I die, I'm going to go to heaven. At least that's what I was taught from society. Just be a good moral person. Don't kill anybody. You're all right. I learned that I needed to show myself as one who was in need of salvation. The gospel did that. And it thus changed my way of thinking and changed my way of of looking at my relationship with God. And that also meant that that I would be willing to die. But here I'm going, I want to live. Well, if you want to live... You're going to have to die. Well, that's upside-down thinking. No, it's actually right-side-up thinking. You die to yourself so that you can be alive with Christ. And hence, that's why baptism, I love baptism in that the gospel message is right there, that you're dying to that old man of sin, and in that death, you're able to live because you live in Christ through the power of Christ, through his blood, his life-giving blood. And that you are able to be raised from the dead. That's that picture of baptism. And that's what we have to be willing to do. And so in 1 Thessalonians, if you take, um, move your Bibles or flip over to the page there, you get to see this very same message that the Apostle Paul wants brethren to be reminded of with regard to their relationship with him. He says in verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation... Through our Lord Jesus Christ, not through yourselves. It is he who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. You're going to have to be willing to die if you want to live. Again, with the world, that's upside down thinking. It's like Jesus speaking to Nicodemus saying you must be born again. That's impossible. That's upside down thinking. But if you want to live, that's what you're going to have to do. So again, when we look at these things, it helps us to see in perspective that this is actually the right side up way of doing things. And that's why in Romans chapter 6, whether it's verse 2 or whether it's verse 8 or other uh, passages that you can look at, those who are in fact alive in Christ put to death the way of the world. They put to death darkness. And that's exactly what Paul is basically saying. Have we who died to sin, live any longer in it? So very, very key. We put to death the ways of the world. We put to death the flesh, if you will, for sin. That's when the world, technically, um, from well biblically, I should say, not technically biblically is turned right side up in our lives. But what that also means then is the world is upside down. It's, as we are upside down as the world is, is not looked at us. I remember um, when I became a Christian, Andy and Kathy Barrant, I mean, every single day, seven days a week for the 10, 11, 12 weeks, I don't remember, but the summer I was living with them, spent that every evening whether it was at 6, 7 o'clock at night on a Sunday, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday, or whether it was 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Saturday. But they would study with me the scriptures and try to make application with me through our studies. And so my mind was continually being renewed and changed so that when I got back to Nebraska, and back on, on the wrestling team, all the guys in the, on the wrestling team like, what happened to you? You're so different. And I look back at their words with fondness, with joy now. Back then, I was like, I look the same. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the way I'm living? Hey, I'm a Christian, man. I love the Lord. I want to serve him. and Come join me. I uh-uh. <laughs> don't want any part of that. Let's go party. Party? Man, if there's any partying, it is in the spirit of the Lord to serve him. Let's do that. No, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> this thought I was weird. And then all the friends that I had in Hawaii in the islands, even more so, because they knew me or knew me all my life. What happened to you, Mitch? You've changed. That's right. We're to walk now as children of light. Because I became a child of light, there's a very different way. And the world looks at me as I'm the one that's crazy. I'm the one that's weird. I'm the one that's peculiar. I'm the one that's a nerd. I'm the one, and just fill in the blank of anything that would be derogatory. That's the way of the world. That's music to my ears now. It really is. It should be to yours. And that, that whole peculiar people... That's beautiful words to our ears. It should be, at least. No longer do we have a, I'm going to sue you because you did something to me mindset. Instead, I'll be long-suffering, and I'll be forgiving. Well, I wouldn't forgive that person for doing this to me. That's because you're you're thinking the way the world thinks. You live the way the world lives. I mean, Jesus went to the cross when, by way of an an eye-for-an-eye mentality... By way of the world's way of, of looking at things, you'd get vengeance of your own if you could, right? And yet, the Lord leaves it up to the Father. Or he does something that it goes beyond justice, and that is called grace and mercy. Why would I give that person grace and mercy when he doesn't deserve it? No, that's the reason why it's grace. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. It's the reason why it's merciful. What he does deserve, he's not getting. It's upside-down thinking, upside-down living. It's the way of the light. You become gracious instead of this form of vengeance. And so all of these things we are told, in, in, whether it's in Ephesians 5, 8 or elsewhere, is because we're children of God and we love serving the Lord. And by serving the Lord, we look upside-down to the world. We get it when the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, I think, verse 8, was it verse 18? Yeah, verse 18. Don't be filled with drunkenness. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Right? Very different, upside-down way. Be saturated with the Spirit of God, in other words. The world's going to think you're strange when you don't run with them in the way that you used to run in carousing And that leads us back to what we started with (coughs) in the the passage. Go back to Acts chapter 17, and we'll finish with this. (coughs) So here's Paul, and he's been preaching from city to city, going from synagogue to synagogue. And here he is in just the next place, just as his custom was in verse 2, Acts 17 verse 2. That he goes into the synagogue, as he did for three Sabbaths, reasoning with the people there from the scriptures. And he's explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah that you all have been looking for. But rejected. Some of them were Persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks were also persuaded. And not a few of the leading women. They also joined Paul and Silas. But, get this, this is the religious people of God. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. They took some of the evil men from the marketplace. Not godly men. They took evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of... Think of all these things, that laws from a Jewish standpoint that they're breaking. They set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason... And some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. See, that's what they do to the world. Christians do. You know, the they that we're speaking of is us, right? (laughs) That's what we do when we share the gospel, when we live as lights in this world that's dark. And they go on to say that they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city. When they heard these things. Because Jason had harbored them, verse 7. And all these, these weird, upside-down thinking, upside-down living Christians are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. How convenient. The Jews who did not look at Caesar as their king would regard Caesar then as their king because of these Christians. They would rather have Caesar than Jesus Christ, the Messiah that they were longing for, waiting for, as the consolation of Israel. But they rejected the Christ when he came. And brethren, that's going to happen. Here in 2017, we share God's message with our neighbors, possibly with our family, with our coworkers. And our mindset should be, that those that we're sharing the gospel with are people of the world. This is an upside-down way of thinking. Now, mind you, we live in a country that still, and particularly in the Bible Belt, that people know who Jesus Christ is. Not many people are like myself, where when you hear Jesus, you're like, I don't know who that is. So I get that. But you're still talking about people who have a mindset of the world, that think the way of the world Even if they know who Jesus Christ is from a verbiage standpoint, from an academic standpoint, but no relationship with him. And when we share the gospel with them, many of them will reject the message and the messengers that we are. You still love them you still behave in a way that's upside down to them because many of them think, well, oh, now they'll be, they'll be off my back. Now they won't have anything to do with me. They can move on with their lives and I'll move on with my life. But instead, you may dust yourselves from, from sharing that message with them, but you can still show them the love of Christ. It's not as if they have become children of God and have since turned and rejected the one who's given them salvation. That's another sermon. But think about these things, brethren, as we go out this year, as we share the gospel, as you live your lives in the world, think about it. You don't live like the world. You don't think like the world. You weren't saved like the way the worldly are saved. You're saved by the precious blood of Jesus, and because of him, you're conformed into his image, into his likeness for his glory if you're here this morning it's taking a step for you to have a change of thinking and that step is going from this direction to that direction it's called repentance you think a very different thought you look at Jesus not as someone you reject but someone you receive someone who is inviting you into his kingdom not that of this world And if you're willing to have that paradigm shift, you're willing to make that change, you're willing to humble yourself that he will exalt you, then you're ready to become a child of the light. You can have that this morning. You can become a Christian. You'll be hated by this world. That's a guarantee if you live as a genuine disciple of Christ. You may be loved by people for this reason or that because you're trustworthy, you're honest, you're integrity. All these things that reflect what true Christianity would resemble, but you'll be hated in many ways by the world because your life is upside down to the world. But that's a good thing. That means you're, you're doing it the way the Lord is pleased and brings him glory. So if you're here and that's what you want, the invitation is for you for you to return to the Lord. But why not do that right now as together we stand and sing.